This is Kyle Blakely, and you're listening to COS 23, The Mayor's Race. Today's episode is called Show Me the Money, because money, like it or not, is what drives politics, even on the local level. If a candidate doesn't have money, they better have incredible name recognition with voters. Even then, it's hard to get your message and vision out to voters without a lot of cash. So today, we're going to take a look at how much the candidates have raised and where their money is coming from. Is their money coming from a few donors or a lot? In politics, money buys influence, so understanding where the money comes from will also give you an idea of who might have influence if they get elected. So far in this year's mayoral race, the 12 candidates have raised more than $1.5 million, and five of the candidates account for 99% of that total. Donations make up almost $1 million of the total, and candidates have put in more than $570,000 of their own money, with one candidate loaning himself $400,000. Expenditures so far have been less than $500,000, so with about three weeks to go until the ballots are mailed out, the candidates still have more than $1 million on hand to spend. So let's jump in with my guest today and see if we can make sense of it all. My guest is Mark Waller. Mark was a Republican member of the Colorado House of Representatives from 2009 to 2015, and was the minority leader of the House in 2013. He served on the El Paso County Board of Commissioners from 2016 to 2021, so Mark's no stranger to having to raise money for a political campaign. Mark was an officer in the United States Air Force. He graduated from the University of Denver College of Law in 2003, and his professional experience includes working as Deputy District Attorney for the 10th District in Pueblo, Colorado, and as a reservist for the legal office of 21st Space Wing, Peterson Air Force Base. Mark, thanks for joining us today. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, my pleasure. Love being here. Yeah, good. As I've said, the, the title of this episode is Show Me the Money. It's always an interesting part of the political campaigns for me to kind of understand fundraising. I mean, again, also in these mayoral races back in 2011 when I worked for Richard Scorman, he raised a little over $500,000, which at the time was absolutely unheard of for a local city race. And so ever since then, mostly in the strong mayor races, the money's been a lot higher. But I know you've had a chance to look at some of the numbers, you know, a little over a million and a half total raised and lent to their campaign so far. What's kind of your initial just kind of broad take on what you're seeing with the fundraising? Well, I think definitely the donors are showing the money in this election cycle, that's for sure. I think there will be more money raised for this Colorado Springs mayoral race than ever in the history of these races, and I think it's going to be by a lot. There are a lot of people playing in this race that haven't traditionally played, and um, the big donors that have played in these races before are putting a lot more money into this one. Right off the bat, this is from the last reporting period, which I think was February 20th, around there, mid-February. And the next, there is another report due this week, so we may see, you know, get an update on this in the next week or two. But right now, the top candidate in terms of donations is Wayne Williams with a little over $400,000, hasn't lent himself any money. Andrew Dalby is just the opposite of that. He's got over 400000 but he's lent himself 400 of that. Yemi's uh, standing at about 290,000. Sally's 
little over 225,000, and Lojinos Gonzalez is just a nick under 200,000. So again, collectively, those five candidates right now have raised 99% of the money. So you start to look at Wayne, and he's got the, the 406,000, 250,000 of that is from one donor, which is Colorado Springs Forward, which I think, you know, there's no firm information that we, you know, that's out there right now about who donated into that 250,000. But I think we can kind of guess who some of those might be. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, we know who the Colorado Springs Forward members are. It's, uh, you know, the Norwood group, uh, Chris and Dave Jenkins, uh, Doug Stemple with Classic Homes. We know Phil Lane has been a big participant in um, Colorado Springs Forward in the past. And, you know, Jim Johnson has been a big participant. Now, obviously, we don't know, you know, who donated what to that and who put, you know, the dollars into it. But, you know, those are the people that have traditionally run Colorado Springs Forward. Yeah. And then several of those folks have also made separate donations to Wayne's campaign. And I think if you go down the list, um, it's a pretty long list. Quite a few from the home building and development community, the construction industry, uh, Schmidt Construction, a pretty sizable amount. A lot of Wayne's other donations, smaller donations. Some have come from the folks you just mentioned. Uh, A lot of the other ones look like they're from probably the uh, home building and development industry, Schmidt Construction, gave Wayne $20,000. Um, several other of these names, I think, have been significant donors to Mayor Southers in the past, and he's supported Wayne. So um, I don't think there's really any surprise where this money's coming from right now for Wayne. But it is, you know, he's probably got the third most total donors out of everybody, but by far kind of the most money donated. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's no secret that, um, you know, the developers have a vested interest in what our city leadership looks like, and, and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. You know, that's um, that's how they earn their dollars. And so, you know, they want to have somebody that's going to, to be the next mayor that's going to be able to represent their interests. And I think that the community, by and large, has said that, yeah, we think this is going to be Wayne Williams. He's going to be the guy to lead us moving forward. You know, in fact, um, I, I think you don't have to look any further than, you know, the recent Colorado Springs uh, annexation ordinance that they they just passed saying that you got to have 128 percent of the water necessary in order to be able to engage in your development. That's something that um, the Norwood group and, and in particular Chris and Dave Jenkins were pushing hard for, you know, because they have the majority of the land uh, that's already been annexed into the city of Colorado Springs that's uh, appropriate for development. It seems to me, again, from just where I sit, it seems like that issue has probably driven a fair amount of the money so far that's been donated into this campaign. Obviously, Wayne supported that issue uh, when it was came up to council. I think Sally, when she was on here talking to me, she, I think she, is not in favor of that issue the way it is now, is interested in possibly revisiting it or uh, re-looking at it if she gets elected mayor. Obviously, the new council would have to make that decision. But it seems like that issue has driven uh, some of the the donations that we see here uh, looking down these lists uh, for all of them. Because again, you go over to Sally's list and you know, some of the folks, uh, La Plata Investments, that are on the other side of that issue that wanted to annex Amara into the city. Uh, you can see that folks from that organization have given Sally sizable amounts of money. 
she's also got, you know, uh, Ron Johnson, I think, is giving her close to $60,000. Ron owns Central Bank here in town. Um, the O'Neill Group has given $50,000 to Sally's campaign. I think they're kind of on the other side of that water issue, too. So I think for, for a couple of those candidates, at least right off the bat, that seems to be driving a lot of this. Well, I think without a doubt it is, or I know without a doubt it is driving a lot of this. Sally would not have seen those contributions had it not been for that annexation ordinance being pushed through. I think if uh, the city of Colorado Springs had kind of slowed down on that annexation ordinance, then we wouldn't be seeing the kind of numbers that are in this that we've seen. You know, and I think the um, the forward contribution to Wayne, the $250,000 contribution to Wayne from Colorado Springs forward, is in a direct response to all of those contributions that Sally got from Ron Johnson, from Kevin O'Neill, and from uh, the La Plata folks that are on the other side, as you say, of this annexation ordinance issue. But, you know, we're just talking about the numbers here related directly to candidate contributions. We haven't even considered the amount of money that's going to come into this from third-party efforts. I just saw today uh, that there's a, um, a call to action put out by the Norwood Group uh, to get folks to donate to a third-party effort related to helping Wayne become the mayor of Colorado Springs. And certainly I've heard that Yemi Mobilade has had a, a third-party effort created on his behalf that's going to help try to drive folks to help him become the next mayor of Colorado Springs as well. And, and I, I don't think that's going to be the last third-party effort we hear from either. Yeah, so it sounds like if we're at a million five just with the candidates right now, that could go quite a bit higher. And then if you throw in the third-party campaigns, it could go significantly higher. I mean, I don't think it's unrealistic to think that the total money spent on this campaign could be well over $3 million by the time it's all said and done. I think, um, Kyle, it's going to end up being probably two or three or maybe even four times greater the amount of money spent in this campaign that's ever been spent in a Colorado Springs mayoral election before. Interesting. Is there more to it driving that than just this water issue? Is that because we have five candidates who've been elected to office before and then Yimmy's built kind of this, I mean, more than half of the in, the donations that have made to any candidate have gone to Yimmy so far. His So his average donation is quite a bit lower than everybody else, but the total number of people who've donated to Yimmy is astounding kind of so far, like over 500 uh, in separate donors to his campaign and over half of all the donations so far. You know, I think, Kyle, we used to divide these elections up. If you want to just sort of break them down to their bo bare bones, we used to divide these elections up in terms of political ideology. You know, you have your conservative and your liberal, and that's kind of how the, these things have gone in the past. You know, when you have Richard Scorman running against um, Steve, Bach. Uh, Steve Bach or, you know, uh, John Southers even in his first go around. Um, but that's not how this election, I think, has ha has shaken out that way. Even if you kind of consider Yemi as the more liberal of the candidates, I think most of his donors, and I've talked to a bunch of them, and they're, they're, they're not just people who uh, have, you know, sort of this liberal ideology or this liberal bent. They're people who want to see change. They are tired of the status quo controlling the city of Colorado Springs. They are tired. They think that Wayne Williams is going to be nothing more 
than four more years of what John Southers has done. And they're looking for some change, looking for, um, you know, injecting some newness into our city and some new vision for how we move forward. You know, and then you have uh, kind of on the other side of the equation, you have the Wayne and, and now Sally um, that are both probably ideologically pretty much similar, but um, donors that feel that there's this sort of power play within the development community, who's actually going to be able to control the vision for the way our city moves forward. And so that's injected a lot more money into this. And I think um, certainly the strategy I, I know from Sally's perspective and also from Wayne's perspective is, listen, we want Yemi to be one of the two candidates that makes the runoff, because that's what it's going to come down to. I don't think there's any chance at all that one candidate is going to get 50% plus one of the vote. I agree. Um, so it's going to come down to two rounds of this. And I think that the conventional wisdom, and I'm not trying to discount um, Daryl Glenn or Lojinos Gonzalez or anybody like that, but I think the conventional wisdom is um, there are three candidates that are vying for those two spots, uh, Yemi, um, Sally, and Wayne. And I think that both Sally and Wayne want Yemi to be uh, you know, in that runoff because they feel like they'd have a best chance. Either one of them feels like they have a best chance against Yemi than they do against each other. Yeah, a little bit like when Scorman ran against Bach, Richard got the most votes in the first round. But in the runoff, just because of the, you know, so much more of the electorate locally is on that conservative side of the ledger that it was tough for Richard to, you know, to, to win that in the runoff. And I think people are kind of looking at it similarly with in Yemi's case, even though I think Yemi has really tried to position himself as a moderate, independent convener, he's still the most moderate of all the main candidates. You know, I think that creates an issue for him or potentially creates an issue for him. I think he's got to let you know, let the people that are going to get him to the runoff, which are, you know, the more liberal-minded people in our community, he's got to let them know that he's their candidate. Um, and by kind of running as a moderate, he runs the risk of not being able to bring those people along in order to get to the runoff. Um, and so some of the data that I've seen says that he needs to, you know, kind of up his street cred, we'll call it, with those kinds of voters because they don't know who he is right now. Interesting. So we talked about, you know, Andrew Dalby has $403,000. He's given himself 400 of that. I guess the big question, uh, and I probably should ask Andrew this directly just to, to see, but is he going to spend it? That's the question. I mean, if he spends $400,000, he could influence this race pretty significantly, I think. he may It may not get him into the runoff, but he could make life harder for some of the other candidates. But again, the big question is whether or not he'll even spend the money. I think it's how you spend the money that determines whether or not you're going to impact the outcome of the race. There's a difference between lending your campaign the money and donating your campaign the money. True. And in this circumstance, he has lent his campaign the money um, and I, I, you know, I talked to him before the debate uh, the other day, and you know, he, he part of his logic was uh, he he thought the person who had the most cash on hand was going to get the center of the stage, uh, and that ended up not being the case. And so I thought to myself, hmm, makes sense that you donated yourself uh, or you lent yourself four hundred grand um, right before this debate that was going to be 
uh, that have your positioning determined that way. So, no, I don't think he's going to spend the money. Uh, but I will tell you this, if he is going to have an impact on the outcome of the race, I think it's going to be hard for him to spend the money in a way that uh, gets him across the finish line. But if he is going to have an impact in the race, I think he would have to spend that money targeting other candidates, targeting Wayne or targeting Sally or both. Yeah, and could possibly prevent one of them from getting into the runoff, depending, again, on how he spent it and if it was effective and and the like. But it seems to me if you're going to spend four hundred grand of your own money, it's to get you across the finish line, not prevent somebody else from getting there. Well, true. You'd, you'd like to think that was the goal on the front end. But, again, Steve Bach had never been elected before when he got elected mayor. So it's – Yimmy's never been elected before. So it's not unrealistic to think that – a political newcomer can get elected. There's just a lot of things that have to happen. And if you're starting from zero name recognition with the voters, it's just a lot harder. Well, and I, th- I think in that circumstance, Steve Bach had the support of the home builders. He had the support of the realtors. He had the support of the apartment association and folks like that. And so, you know, his dollars came with support. And that's something that Dalby's dollars don't come with. But I think here's one of the fascinating things in, in this race that may create an impact that we have not seen before. And that is, you know, we, we've sort of talked about, we have these developers that are kind of drawn themselves up on either side of um, the uh, Sally and Wayne fight, you know, so you have some developers that are supporting Sally, you have a lot of developers or some developers that are significantly supporting Wayne. So I've sort of been trying to think this through and chase all these rabbits down the hole. Let's say it ends up being... Wayne and Yemi in the runoff. Well, all of that support that had been behind Sally, does that now go behind Yemi because they want to defeat Wayne? Good point. Um, and, and vice versa. You know, let's say it ends up being Sally and Yemi that make the runoff. You know, do the Colorado Springs forward people that have invested so much in Wayne now say, well, you know, we don't have our first choice Wayne. But instead of Sally, we're going to put our effort and our money behind Yemi. So I think that um, I certainly think, you know, the conventional wisdom is, you know, like you said before with Richard Scorman, you know, top vote getter, but then lose in the uh, the runoff. Um, and that's kind of, I think, the way people have perceived Yemi's influence in this race. He's going to be the top vote getter uh, in the uh uh, in the first round, and then he's going to lose in the runoff. But I'm not so sure of that. Uh, and I think he has brought a lot of dollars to the table, and, and he's brought a lot of donors that would have otherwise supported a more conservative candidate, but they want change. Interesting. Yeah, he uh, again, he has about $290,000, all from donations, hasn't lent himself any money for his campaign, and he has 529 separate donors, a really strong grassroots effort. Reminds me a lot of what Richard Scorman did in 2011. Uh, I remember working on that campaign, and we'd go to the mailbox every day, and there'd just be tons of checks in there from people who supported Richard. Uh, again, smaller donations, a lot of, even though Yimmy's had some pretty sizable ones too, you see just a lot of smaller donations. So really, 
uh, kind of a, a pretty strong grassroots effort so far on his part, I think, uh, in terms of building his campaign. And again, from what I've seen, the structure of his campaign is pretty professional for somebody who's never run for office before. So I think he's getting some good consultation. He's put a good team around him that knows how to run a campaign. And so again, I, I think you're right. I, I don't think it's necessarily, I, I wouldn't rule him out in a runoff uh, if some of that other money from that's going other places in the first round went behind him. It, it could make it very interesting. Absolutely. And our community is a different place than when Richard Scorman made that run, what, 12 years ago? Um, you know, if you look at the demographics within our city now, it's changed pretty significantly. We have more unaffiliated voters overall, fewer Republicans, probably about the same amount of Democrats that we had before. So it's not like we're jumping off at the same point. I mean, if you look, um, uh, Heidi Ganahl, uh for governor only got uh, 51% of the vote in El Paso County, which is, you know, it's unheard of, right, for a uh, for a gubernatorial candidate. I mean, before it'd be 60 or 65% of the vote for the Republican nominee in El Paso County. And now we've got our our latest gubernatorial candidate uh, only got 51% of the vote. So the demographics are changing that way. And then when you add this extra dynamic of maybe those dollars that are in that Sally and Wayne fight, if they end up going behind Yemi, I think he does have a legitimate chance. Give me your thoughts on this. So again, we've talked about Yemi's probably the closest to the middle. Everybody else is pretty much to the right of that. I, th- I think of Tom Strand as being fairly moderate with in, in there as well. But between like Daryl and Lohinos and again, John Tegan getting in the race, you've got a lot of people that are appealing to kind of the the far right side of the electorate they're going to be pulling some of those votes out of there. Who does that hurt more, Sally or Wayne? I think there are a lot of people that are trying to figure out the answer to that question right now. And I think that is probably one of the central questions in terms of who ends up getting to the runoff, is figuring that out. And I I might disagree with you just slightly in terms, I mean, you said that Yemi is the most moderate or most middle of the road. Actually, I think Yemi is probably a little further left uh, then, you know, maybe he is portrayed or uh, has uh, indicated thus far. Um, I actually think Sally is probably, from uh, data that I've seen, and uh, I've seen a lot of polling data in this race, I think Sally does better across the board than any other candidate. So in terms of having more Democratic support, more unaffiliated support, and Republican support, she does well across all of those demographics. I think Wayne has tried to move a lot further to the middle or a lot further to the left, thinking that he's going to try to get some of those votes from unaffiliated voters and from Democratic voters. I mean, a lot of folks think that's the reason that he did the public service announcement with Jenna Griswold uh, that ended up getting her reelected secretary of state. Um, And so he's trying to kind of move a little further to the left to uh, appeal to a broader audience. But I think... um, I think his base of support, though, his his, you know, key demographic is going to be the Republican primary voter. And so the Lohinos, the Daryl, the Tig Tegan, those I, I think they're going to take a little bit more away from Wayne than they are anybody else uh, from those top three. 
Interesting. Yeah, Sally, you know, obviously she kind of built her reputation early on on the West Side fighting the closing of the fire station. So she has a ton of support on the West Side. You know, that's where she was elected to county commission, city council, all of those things. And again, the west side of Colorado Springs is probably the most moderate to liberal part of the community. So you're right. She's going to get a ton of support from from that side as well. And so, again, I, yeah, I think you're right. I think she has a, a, a pull from a lot of different parts of the community. But again, I it's going to be interesting to me to see with all of these folks that are going after the right side, who that hurts. Well, and and then you also consider, you know, she w- was on that West side and did get a lot of support from that, you know, a little more left-leaning group, we'll call them. But then keep in mind, she worked for the USD under which administration? The Trump um, administration. True. And so she's able to, again, she does well across all of those demographics. But if you really think about this race, and, and by the way, I, I think— the person that gets hurt the most out of all of those kind of right-leaning candidates, believe it or not, is Lohinos. Um, I think if all of those people could come together, all of those candidates, you know, the Tig Tegan, Daryl, Lohinos, and just, you know, kind of all those others that are going to get one or two or three percent, if they could all come together and put themselves behind Lohinos— um, I think he would actually have a shot at making the runoff because all of those people together are going to, you know, end up taking 18 or 20 percent of the vote. Um, probably that's kind of as as I've done the mapping exercise and tried to figure it out. And I think second place isn't going to be much over 20 percent. I think in looking at it, I think you're right. I, you know, when I started looking at it, there's never been more than 100,000 people vote in a mayoral election since we went to the strong mayor form. Based on the number of registered voters in the city, and even if we get 40% turnout, to me it's like maybe 105,000 people voting this time with 12 candidates. You really start to split that up. I, You know, again, 20%, 20,000 votes. I think a lot of these candidates have niches that they might be able to find numbers that could get them there. I mean, obviously it's hard for, you could, you could make the case for all of them, I think, or for five or six of them being able to do that. It just remains to be seen. And again, part of that's money, how they go out and spend their money. I'm looking at this five candidates with close to $200,000. Just from your experience and looking at things, what do you think are going to be some of the more effective ways for them to spend this money, again, considering they don't have to get over half the vote, they just need to find their pool of supporters, what's going to be some of the more effective ways to spend it? Well, I I think uh, TV, broadcast TV, if if you've got the money to do it, which obviously Wayne Williams does with that $250,000 contribution, right? Um, Going to broadcast TV, believe it or not, that still has a very significant impact in local elections, because the kind of people you're talking about, 105,000 people, which I think is spot on. I think that's exactly how many people are going to vote in this election. But if you think about the kind of people that vote in these off-cycle local elections, they're also the kind of people that watch local TV, watch broadcast TV. I mean, the last couple of city elections, the average age of the voter is 63. Right. The vast majority of them are 45 and older. And again, that matches up with who's still watching network TV, watching local news. So I agree. I, th- I think TV is going to be a pretty, fe- pretty effective part of it. 
I still th- I, th- I think direct mail. I mean, if you look at the things that are that, as we always say, are direct voter contact. So TV is not what I call direct voter contact. More direct mail. You can put it in the household of a person who's likely to vote and who is possibly likely to support you or be swayed to support you. You've got digital advertising options now with addressable geofencing that allow you to drop digital ads into somebody's house, almost like direct mail. Texting campaigns have become more popular. So I think you've got a lot of that a kind of direct voter contact that people will be focusing on. But I think you're right in terms of, uh, again, building the broad awareness and separating yourself in a field of 12, there's very much a place for TV if you've got the money. Yeah, and I, I think the successful candidate's going to blend all of those together. I think digital maybe a little bit less important in a race like this than, you know, say a gubernatorial race or yeah. something like that, just because of the demographic of people who are going to vote. But um, the 105,000 people that you're talking about represent about 67,000 households yeah. uh, in Colorado Springs. And that means, you know, mail-in, if you're going to do direct mail, means mail-in to 67,000 houses. That is not an inexpensive proposition. True. So I think, well, direct mail is maybe one of the more effective ways to spend money in a campaign like this. It's also one of the more expensive ways to spend money. Yeah, if you look at 40 to 50 cents a piece all in in those kind of quantities, you've got to have about $30,000 or more per mailing. So it can. It can eat up a budget pretty quickly. Yeah, and, and I think um, I, I think that's optimistic to think that it's around 30 or 40 cents per piece in, in, in today's world. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. It, it is a very expensive way that was to spend money. But, you know, I mean, I, I think the um, – the legitimate candidates are going to have that piece of mail that shows up in the mailbox on the day that the ballots get there as well. Correct. Having a, a ballot chase piece is is pretty critical for all of the candidates, I think. Um, makes it tough on the mail houses here in town to get them all in the mail on the same day and be able to cover that. But but it's a But it's a good strategy. If you look at what the different candidates have raised so far, and I mean, I know we talked about Andrew Dalby loaned himself 400000 But below that, or Wayne and the other candidates, are there any surprises to you so far, either how much somebody's been able to raise or how little they're showing that they've raised at this point? Um, any surprises to you in that? I think there are two surprises for me in this that I've seen thus far, and I've been doing this for a long time. You've raised money yourself for Yes, I've so. spent a lot of time and. You know, unfortunately, well, and, and kind of here's the, I guess, maybe the difference in this election and others, like ones that I've participated in, you know, there are almost always campaign finance limits associated with how much a candidate can raise. So, you know, for example, if you're running for a state legislative seat, the most uh, of a donation you can take from an individual is $400. I mean, that is it. So you've got to raise money 400 bucks at a time, yeah. whereas there are no campaign finance limits in this race. So that enables you know, a Colorado Springs forward to write one check for $250,000 to Wayne or enables a a Kevin O'Neill to write Sally a $25,000 check or Ron Johnson to write Sally a big check. So I think two things have surprised me uh, in this race. Number one, the amount of dollars overall that have been raised thus far. It has um, been fast and furious, and it has come quickly. Um, And I would say the second thing that's kind of been a little bit of a surprise to me 
the number of dollars that Sally has been able to raise getting into the race later than the other candidates. I mean, if you think about it, you know, Wayne has had a long runway for this. He has been talking about running for mayor of Colorado Springs for the last four years and been active about it for the last year. So he's had a lot of runway to start developing those dollars. You know, Sally only really got into this race a, a, a few months ago and has been able to bring in this two hundred and almost $30,000 already. Yeah. One of the things that surprised me was I would have thought Daryl Glenn would have raised more money by now. He's showing $11,000 raised. He's now, he has 98 separate donors, which is the fourth highest total number of donors, but a lot of them are in that $50 donation range. And so at one point, somebody suggested that maybe he has money left over from when he ran for U.S. Senate or the U.S. House of Representatives, and that might fund his campaign, but I haven't seen or heard anything like that. I just would have thought Daryl, with his kind of his base of support, would have raised more by now. Yeah, you know, that's, um, Kyle, one that that might have been a little bit more surprising to me a couple of years ago or maybe four years ago than today. Mm -hmm. And I I think Daryl did a great job of raising money when he ran for the U.S. Senate. Uh, But again, you know, those are all you know more conservative donors that are trying to go after. I mean, you've got a clear distinction of, you know, in, in people's minds, good versus evil or, you know, conservative versus liberal, Republican versus Democrat. But in this race, you don't have that, right? It's not like all of the conservatives are rallying behind one candidate or all of the liberals are even rallying behind one candidate, though there'll be a little bit more of that in this race. And so Daryl has to compete with all of those other conservative-minded candidates for those campaign contributions. And I think this business is really a lot of times about momentum, and he just hasn't been able to kind of put that momentum together and, and get it moving forward in order to develop those dollars. Interesting. Yeah. And that's Again, in a crowded field, there's going to be some roadblocks come up. I know in 2015, we did a little bit of work for one of the candidates, and they, right out of the gate, had a really hard time raising money because of John Southers being in the race. And all the people that lined up behind him so quickly uh, made it really hard for the other candidates, I think, to raise money. Uh, and and be able to challenge that. And so that's probably some of what I think we're seeing here. Without a doubt, I think that's exactly what we're seeing here. Um, But we're seeing it kind of from three different sides in this race. You know, Yemi's done such a great job of raising money on the, you know, kind of the left-leaning folks and has really been able to raise a bunch of money. That's kind of encouraged any other left-leaning person to get out. And then when you see, you know, again, Wayne get into this race, he's got a big run-up to the race, a long runway. He starts raising some money early on, did a great job early on, but then kind of stalled out. That gave Sally an opportunity to get in the race, raise a ton of money. Um, so that's, you know, maybe discouraged people that might have gone to Lohinos or gone to Daryl or gone somewhere else from going to them. And, and it's now maybe said, okay, well, I guess Sally's going to be our person or Wayne's going to be our person. But then when Sally had all of that um, infusion of cash and, and got, uh, uh, got a lot of the momentum behind her. Well, that's right when uh, Colorado Springs Forward came out with that $250,000 contribution to Wayne that now appears to have given him a little bit more of the momentum. You know, we talked a lot about Sally and Wayne and kind of 
where their money's coming from. And you talked a little bit about Yemi. You know, Yemi's largest contributor is Connor McCluskey, who's the CEO of BombBomb here in town. You know, Vance Brown donated $10,000. The interesting thing to me with Yemi is he's got support from the business community. He seems to be, you know, he's got a lot of friends in the business community. He's moved to Colorado Springs to start a church. He's a pastor, a former pastor, and so he's kind of able to, I think, garner some support from kind of that segment of the community too. So again, I think he's he's been able to to build some support from a few different areas. But you know, I look down his list of donors, and he's got a lot of lot of donors at five thousand dollars or more. Some in the you know couple of folks in the home building and development community too, but also just a, a lot of business owners here in town. You know, I think um, Yemi represents the idea of what the American dream is all about. Um, he comes here uh, from Africa as a, a young kid with absolutely nothing. And he is able, based on hard work, an infectious personality, and a a lot of smarts, he's able to make something of himself. And I think that uh, a lot of people love seeing that. It's a great story, and it's a feel-good story. And I think that's where a lot of his contributions or a lot of his supporters, they come from they come to support of him with that lens, being able to see him that way and representing something that um, makes us all feel good about ourselves. Uh, and so I think he's done well that way. I think, I think though, Yemi's issue is going to be uh, two things. It's more the, the ideological bent. You know, he's kind of coming from a little bit more of a liberal perspective. I think it's still going to be a little bit tough in this community, not he can't he can overcome it, but it's still going to be a little bit tougher. Um, and I think his other issue really is experience. Um, I think if he had more experience, you know, had run for a city council seat, had spent some time on council, I think his chances would be a lot better, and I think his donors would be a lot more significant as well. Yeah, looking at Lohinos a little bit, he's got one hundred ninety five thousand total. 160,000 of that he's lent his campaign. But when you go down his list of other donors, the first one off the top is the O'Neill Group at $10,000, who's also given Sally $50,000. I think you see a few times where different donors are have given to more than one candidate. Again, just to, I don't know if you want to say hedge their bets or if that's the right term, but just kind of show their breadth of support. But you do see some of that duplicate donations. Yeah, I would like to think it's a little bit less about hedge and bets and and more about supporting people who see the world from your from a similar perspective. You know, Lohinos has um he hasn't always been right there with developers on development issues, um but he has, you know, shown himself to be a strong private property rights guy and shown himself to be a, a strong business-minded kind of person. And I think that people want to reward that and want to show him that they appreciate um, what he's done or or how he's approached his time in public office. So we've talked a lot about how much money each of the candidates has raised and a little bit of where it's coming from. And we talked a little bit about timing, too. But 
the flip side of that is actually spending the money in an effective way and kind of looking at that from a strategy standpoint. And in this particular kind of race with a runoff in May, that throws another element into that strategy. How do you think the candidates might be looking at that? Yeah, I mean, certainly this is one of those circumstances where you don't just throw everything in the kitchen sink at it and try to, you know, just figure out the best ways to spend the money and raise the most money. You you, you got to get to the runoff, right? It's it's the top two candidates get to the runoff. So you have to get there. But then you have to say, well, uh, at the same time, uh, if I, I want to be one of the two, obviously, to get to the runoff. So I got to spend all the money I could spend to get there. But, you know, do I save any money in reserves? hoping that I do get to the runoff. But then again, if I if I don't spend everything I've got and I don't make the runoff, well, then I've, you know, haven't most effectively spent my money. So I, I think this race is going to be a big strategy. And, I, and obviously, I think if you're, um, you know, a Lohinos Gonzalez, uh, Daryl Glenn, or somebody like that, you're going to spend all of your money right up front and just try to get to the runoff and then think it's going to take care of itself after that. But I think with the big three candidates that have raised the most money, uh, Yemi, Sally, and Wayne, there has to be this sort of strategy because it's probably going to be two out of the three of them that make the runoff. And so you obviously you don't want to just make the runoff. You want to be able to win in the runoff. But again, the strategy is you got to get to the runoff in order to win. Yeah, I agree. So uh, again, I've said this before. The reason I wanted to do this podcast is I was just kind of fascinated by the people that jumped in this race. Uh, five people that have held elected office for eight years or more. Yemi, who built you know his grassroots support and donations really well. It's just an interesting campaign to me. And again, as we know, money's so important. So we'll continue to take a look at this. There's, uh, I think, again, the next campaign finance filing date is March 1st. There's another one on the 15th and March 31st. Uh, so we've got three more reports due before Election Day. So definitely we'll want to revisit this topic, you know, with kind of updates as we go along. Just kind of what are you looking at over the next uh, few weeks and what you think might be most interesting? Well, I think as much as we would like to think that um, everybody is politically engaged and everybody understands even that there's an election coming in April, um, the reality is that just there, there aren't a lot of citizens that do that. Uh, and so as I've seen data in this race uh, on, you know, who's the front runner, who has the support, you know, even what their name ID is at this point in time, this is a pretty low information race. So it's really going to come down to who can get their name out there the most and the, the best way and the most effective way possible. And you're right. That's about money. In the uh, last poll that I saw, nobody had more than 14% support. I mean, think about that. 14%. Nobody is at greater than 14% support. In fact, I don't think there was a candidate that was over 70% in name ID. Interesting. So even all these people that have been in elected office for the last, you know, eight years or 10 years, whatever it is, none of them have name ID over 70 percent. So I I think what you're going to see these candidates doing is trying to bump that name ID up to the very best of their ability. And that's going to equate to votes and support. Yeah. Again, I go back. I I mentioned frequently the, the race in 2011. The first poll we did in 2011 for Richard's campaign, Steve Bach was in fifth place with 5% of the vote. 
and ended up in the first round with 34% and then won it with 57%. So uh, obviously a lot can happen once the candidates start spending money. And so, again, it'll be interesting, but it'll be uh, definitely want to keep taking a look at where the money's coming from. If some of these third-party campaigns happen to, to kick in, it'll be interesting to kind of analyze those maybe a little bit and, and talk about those. But I really appreciate you coming on today. This has been a lot of fun, and hopefully you'll be able to come back on some other episodes as we get closer to Election Day. I'd love to. Thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it, Kyle. Thank you for listening to this episode of COS 23, the Mayor's Race podcast. This program is brought to you by Avant Strategies. Special thank you to producer Ted Robertson for help putting this program together. If you're interested in partnering with COS 23, the Mayor's Race podcast, you can reach out to me at kyle at avantstrategiesllc.com. 